answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to All Worth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Thanks for being part of our program today. This is a call-in financial program. Both myself and my co-host here, Pat, we're both financial advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. We spend our weekdays with people like yourself come here on the weekends to be your financial advisors on the air. And if you've got a question for us and would like to take part in our program, we'd love to hear from you and um, get you on our show. We'll and answer, <clears throat> do what we can to help. That's right. And to join us, if you've got a question regarding your retirement or your investments or your estate plan or your taxes, anything financial related, our toll-free number is 833-99-WORTH. 833-99-WORTH or numerically it's Toll-free, 833-999-6784. And let's start right with the phones in Reading with Jeff. Jeff, you're with Allworth Financial. Hi, guys. It's really a pleasure and an honor to talk to you this day. Well, thank you. I have, yeah, a longtime listener. Um, I have two questions. My first is dealing with a health savings account that I've had since 2004. Uh-huh. And kind of the backstory <laughs> is, is, and by 08, I started to invest it like a, an investment account. Yep. And when I would go do my taxes or a tax professional would do them, I would never get a state tax deduction for that. I would get the federal, but I wouldn't get the state. And well, you live in it California. Never dawned on me that, right. I never dawned on me that the capital gains and the dividends that have been accruing since 08, I need to show those on my taxes. So what Not would be a- your suggestion? How do I unwind myself? Not in a not in a uh, health savings account. It's tax in deferred. California, the health in California. I did some research. California does not recognize my tax favored status of the health savings account. It the federal government it does, but California never confer, you know con, you know confirmed or whatever conformed to it. So they look at it like a brokerage account. I. I feel like an idiot, and I've had several tax preparers over the years do them. So when I would make a contribution, I would get the deduction on the federal, but they would always add it back in on my state. And I did some research, and I found it in publication 1001, page 7, talks about that. So how do I— That you must report your ongoing capital gains and dividends? Yeah, dividends, yeah. And then I even called the company that's the custodian of it, and they said, you're the first person to make us aware of this, and we will not 1099 you this. So I did some research and found a blog that talked about New Jersey and California, the only two states in the United States. I had not heard. Are you, are you, is it, is it as accumulates or when you take distributions that you're going to pay taxes on it? When I looked it up in publication 1001, I'm not a tax person, and on page 7, it clearly states that any capital gains and dividends has to be declared in the year 
that it accrued like a traditional brokerage account. Hmm. Well, news to me. Me too. So uh, yeah, have, have you guys ever come across that? No, but they well, have. I, ha- I have a HSA with a brokerage account. Uh, it's, I mean, within um, uh, it's invested in the. I think it's total stock market fund, and uh, it, each year have I get it. Ever had to? Cl- I don't know. Yeah. I I don't know. I get it. I well, here's what I do know. I get a statement from them every year, and I pile it with my other statements. And you have. And a- when I do my taxes, I put, hand all my statements to my tax preparer. Have you seen it on your know. tax return? I have not looked Could that closely. You research this one for me to make sure because I'm trying to get with my tax preparer in this time of the year. Well, we have a. I'll tell you what. Name. So we'll have Jasmine pick up your information, and we have a. We own a tax, uh, a CPA firm. Uh, Allworth owns a CPA firm, so we can have them do a little research. Um, yeah, we have CPAs on staff. Yeah. So it, uh, and and uh, they don't host a radio show. If they did, they'd probably have the answer. <laughs> yeah, I know that for a fact. When I had made contributions into the account, I never got the deduction. And then one last quick question. Could you just briefly tell me in your gentleman's opinion what would be the good components of a good investment policy? I always hear about financial planning, but I never hear anybody talk about what are components of a good personal right. so, financial well, investment policy. So let me, so let's, we'll, we'll answer that in a second, but go back to the uh, health savings account. They never 1099 you in years past? Never have. Okay. Never have. They send you a statement, though, of what your contributions are, not of what the capital gains have been. Yeah. So, but, but, so what happens is that they didn't 1099 him. They didn't 1099. Well, it doesn't mean that it's not supposed to report. I understand it. that. I understand that. But they didn't 1098 the state of California either. Still doesn't mean he wasn't. Uh, which means that you could, uh, which means that you should talk to your tax preparer about coming up to date on the taxes. And with a letter of explanation yeah. to the uh, franchise tax board, that's how I would yeah, address it. I, and I imagine that's how if this. Well, is I would address it by asking my tax preparer, "What's the best way to address this?" Yeah. Okay. Fair. Yeah. So we don't. So as, as certified financial planners, we're not. You know, we're not trained to be tax preparers. That's not what certified financial planners do. And part of the reason Allworth has uh, certified public accountants. And other enrolled mm-hmm. agents on staff for taxes. That's what they do, right? It, so we work in conjunction with one another. But um, this was a new one for me. Yeah. And as far as the investment policy statement, it lists things such as what I mean. One, one of the key things is is how the allocations are going to be. What what percentage of the portfolio? What's the band? You know, kind of the range of the portfolio that's going to be in a various investment mm-hmm. classes. So what what are we going to have in stocks? And if we're going to have stocks. How are we going to be looking at allocating those? Are we going to be using individual securities? Are we going to be using mutual funds? Uh, what what are the uh, influences that cause us to make changes to our allocations? That would be an investment policy statement. And they're not necessarily. And there's a lot of cookie cutters out cookie cutter ones out there, but you can have a very customized investment policy statement as well. Yeah, and then you could say we're going to use index funds with some. Uh, for no uh, if, less than 50% of the portfolio, and then I'm going to use some uh, other types of funds around the, the perimeter. You could write it any way you wanted. So when you say what is a investment policy statement, it, it, I, sat on a, I sat on a Catholic board where our investment policy statement uh, it precluded investments in certain types of stocks just because of the uh, morality uh, uh, of, of, the, of the teachings of the Catholic Church. So, do, you, do you know of any resources on the internet? Or oh, sure. I mean, I just go- you- Google uh, investment policy st- statement sample, and you'll probably find one. Yeah. 
Well, the the, the, okay. the, the uh, CFA the CFA Institute uh, Charter Financial Analyst CFA they'll have a, a ton of information on that. You should be able to get some samples on. What think are you bigger, using it the for? The bigger question is, yeah, what's driving this question? Well, in my life, everywhere I ever hear on financial stuff, they never talk about this. And if you go to look at a mutual fund, you always go look at the prospectus or the statement of additional information that explains that. And when I talk to people, they go talk to financial planners, whatever, I'll ask them, what's your investment policy? And they'll always kind of look at me in a blank stare. And in my own life, I have my own policy, and I only came in across one time in a book. It was like maybe like four or five pages, and it was so profound for me. I actually copied it out and developed my own off of it. But I just never hear anybody in the financial space ever talk about it. Most most firms, I I trust, have investment policy statements. Um, Okay. But but, but, I mean, usually when someone hires an advisor – they're hiring a, you know, you hire a financial advisor. It's, they, it's like, all right, it's, this is your, this is your issue. I mean, here's how a lot of clients work with. I've been doing this a long time, right? So a lot of clients are like, okay, look, um, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Here's the assets I have. Can I accomplish what I want to accomplish? Uh, if so, how do I do about? It? Okay, I'm gonna hire you to take care of it. If I have any issues, you let me know. Otherwise, we'll communicate on a on an ongoing basis uh, to make sure we're on track with everything we're going to accomplish. And I'm not going to bother getting into the weeds if everything's going fine. I'm not going to worry that much about it. Okay. I'm right, just like every other professional in your life you deal with, whether it's a. If you, I mean, if you have, if you're going to an annual physical for your doctor, unless you've got a health issue, you're probably not paying that much attention to cellular structure in your body. I'm guessing. All right. Yeah. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time, and uh, it's you know you provide such a wealth of knowledge for everyone. I just well, thank really you. Unfortunately, it. the uh, you brought a new one to us today. Yeah. On, um, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to know myself for yeah. sure so because I'd always wanted yeah. to know why so Jas- I never get a tax deduction. Jasmine's gonna, gonna, gonna put you, you in touch with our accounting people, so yeah. we're gonna put you on hold for a yeah. second. You're gonna talk to and I was kind of forgetting. You can contribute. Do you get a tax deduction for you contribute in your health savings account? We spend ours every year, so. Why? Uh, my wife wants to. Oh, I don't. I've never touched. A, I've I, never taken I, a dime out I, of mine. I um. I contribute the maximum every year, and I, I look at it like another retirement. I savings. I understand the whole concept and how it works and the tax benefits, and I have uh, risen it up the flagpole two or three times to see if anyone salutes this it. Thing, but you know what? I'm gonna. If you don't mind, I'm gonna <laughs> poke on this a little more because this is a perfect example about you can do all the financial planning until you involve people. Right. And your wife obviously feels comfortable and confident using the HSA dollars for medical expenses that year. She likes she's like, this is what it's designed for. This is what we're going to use it for. You look at it as a financial advisor like we have other monies to use. We can spend. Why don't we use other monies to spend and let these dollars continue to grow tax tax deferred? That's yep. Yep. But you don't because It, it, it creates disharmony in the family. There we go. And I understand it, and I think, quite frankly, she understands it. Um, and in the scheme of things, it's, it's not, not going to make, make any difference. Yeah, make a little. Not, it's not going to make any difference in your lifestyle. Correct. And she's an accountant by um, by education, so if the code is and written she had in a career before she had four children. Yes, correct. <laughs> right. So she understands. Well, it was written for this, and this is how you use it, and that's how I'm going to use it, and we're going to do it by the book. 
the HSAs were not created for people like yourself, Scott Hansen and Jeff, <laughs> to put the S and P five hundred of the total market in there, let it grow tax deferred for twenty years, and then take the money out. That was not. You don't think that was not what they were thinking when they put these things together. Ah, but like everything else in the code. Yeah, Congress comes up with certain plans, and then... Uh, you look at it, and you're like, hey. Yeah, how do we make the most of this? So, it is true. Um, it is right. it is the you know, part of being married in finances and the mix and the whole together. Um, and, how are you going to use and it? And you don't... You, you, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to concede on this one. It's no big... I'm not going to fight over deal. this one. Yeah. And I think oftentimes people come to see a financial advisor. I mean, in my experience, and yours too, I know, Pat. They'll come to see a financial advisor... Sometimes the one of the spouses is super confident about what they're doing, and they think, I don't need a financial advisor. The other one's thinking, I'm not quite so confident with my spouse. <laughs> right? I want a financial advisor. I want a second opinion. Yes, exactly. Very yeah. common. Not uncommon at all. Or, or one of the spouses is overconfident, overconfident, which actually makes the other spouse nervous. Super nervous. Yeah. Or damn, darn one right spouse afraid. <laughs> just maybe just not that competent, confident, yeah. o- overconfident, under confident, incompetent. Yeah, undercompetent, overconfident. We've certainly seen enough confident, incompetent investors over the years. That's yes. Uh, to join Allworth, our number eight three three ninety nine Worth. We'll put you on with Scott Hanson and Pat McLean of Allworth Financial. We're talking with Charles. Charles, you're with Allworth. Hi guys, thanks for taking my call. Hi Charles. Been listening to you for a long time, over 20 years, and I appreciate all the guidance. Well, thank Good you. Guidance you've given awesome. over the years. Thank yeah. you. My uh, question today is about Roth conversions and how aggressively uh, my wife and I should be pursuing them uh, in our situation. All right. So I'm 60. My wife's 55. We're both retired. Um, we are drawing from our IRAs now, you know, for income to live off of. Uh, The plan, I think, we're not sure how this is going to go exactly, but we like to delay taking Social Security until we're about 70. Yeah, Charles, you're cutting out a bit. I can't, yeah. Oh, sorry. Is this any better? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. So Um, you're going to delay something till 70. What were you going to delay? Social Security. Okay. Taking our Social Security. Okay. And so we're living, I don't know if you heard this part, but we're living off of, you know, we're taking withdrawals every yeah. year now from our uh, from our IRAs. So our, our IRAs are, are fairly fairly substantial, I guess. They're pretty, fairly high. What do you have in IRAs? Ballpark. Okay. I've got, I've got uh, about $3 million in mine, and my wife has one and a half in hers. And yeah, we've got some other... We got some other money. Uh, I have about four hundred thousand in in a Roth IRA. My wife's got about a hundred thousand in hers, and then we have about another five hundred thousand in non-retirement funds and brokerage accounts. And what why you, what why you, are you drawing from your IRAs as opposed to? Um, well, well, how much are you drawing from your IRAs? Uh, well, I have no other income. We're retired now, so yeah. there's no other income to draw. So, have right you now. thought about? And let's say I'm just throwing out a number. Let's say you pull, you're, you pull out 100 grand a year from your IRA, 
What about if you took and that, that, and that? And that's about right. What that's if you about, took that? Taking about one thirty, maybe. Okay, one thirty. What if you took that one thirty and you just simply converted it to a Roth, and then you took a hundred grand from your brokerage account, your non-IRAs? Is that what you would recommend? That's I don't know. Actually, that's, I don't. I don't know. I. I mean, I. I would. It's just like being if you can take a hundred grand from your brokerage account, and just shove it in a Roth IRA. I'd certainly say do that all day long. Well, I mean, we got, well from the well, no, from the brokerage account, I can't do that. I can't do. I can't put that into an IRA. No, I no, but it's the same. But it's but it's if, the same thing. It's the same thing. If I, if if someone said to you, "Hey, would you like to put a hundred thousand? Would you like to take a hundred grand from your brokerage account this year and just slide it over into a Roth IRA? Just no questions, just move it into a Roth IRA." You'd say, "Heck, why wouldn't I?" So what what Scott's saying is effectively you're missing that opportunity by not moving the money from an IRA to the Roth IRA and then spending money off the brokerage account, especially when you're in a lower marginal tax rate as you are today, which may change at some point in time. So I would I would have to pay taxes, income taxes, you know, on that. Yeah, that's that correct. You already are taking tax, paying taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's wrong? One thirty. Yeah. So what you what 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 you want to do is you've got this great planning opportunity between now and the age of Social Security kicks in, whatever that name number is, sixty five, sixty two, sixty nine, seventy, whatever that number is, and put together a strategy that convert. A portion of these dollars, this $4.5 million that you have in IRAs, to a Roth IRA, spend that brokerage account down to zero in the meantime and do it at the lowest marginal tax rate as possible. Because let's let's just look at this from this standpoint. You've got $4.5 million in IRAs, and you're taking a, a $100,000 a year off of that. So we're doing a distribution of about 2.2%, 2.3% of that uh, is being distributed. If you believe that it's going to grow at a 5 6 or 7%, then at age 70, 10 years from now, you're going to have $5.5 million in your IRAs and your required minimum distributions for you and your wife at that point in time could be anywhere between 180 and whatever the number is, right? So we want we, we don't want to miss this opportunity of shrinking those IRAs. Yes, yeah, so I, point I just ran some numbers. In the next decade, if you at 130 withdrawal a year at a six percent growth, you're gonna be that four point five in IRA is gonna to go to six point three. At six point three, a required minimum. Well, and remember, his wife is five years younger, so it gives us some planning opportunities. So in ten years, it's well, a little for hers. Yes, yes. But if you're looking at six point three, just the uh, required minimum distribution is going to be over a couple hundred grand a year. So, so by the time it's a good problem to have. Oh, look, look, look! You're doing great, and you're asking the right question, which is. Between now and the time that you start Social Security, and by the way, I don't know if I would land on age 70 if I were you for Social Security. Just because of the legislation risk that might be associated with Social Security at that point in time, right? Right. That's kind of been in the back of my mind. I was going to kind of play that by ear, see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a long time. You mean still several years. Yeah. I should tell you one more thing. So, I mean, we've been taking – yeah, I have been doing some Roth conversions. I mean, so I took 130 this year in income, and then also converted 45 thousand more. Mm-hmm. From That's, that might have know, been yeah. We, How did you come up with 45? 
Well, I did it in a couple. I did 30 on one and 50. No, but on the how other. did you come up with that number in your tax bracket? As opposed to 35 or 55 or. I mean, you're doing the right things, Charles. Yeah, it, just, it, look, I, it was just what I felt comfortable with. Okay, yeah, so I, what I, we would have. We would have planned for tax, tax. We would have, so if you were sitting in my office today, I'd actually bring our accountant into the room, the CPA, the firm that we own. Or on the Skype or Zoom or whatever. And I'd use. say, look, what we need to do is assume that he's going to start, Charles is going to start his Social Security at 65, and that his wife is going to start it at 62. We're just going to assume that. We're throwing some assumptions. How should we manage this Roth conversion in the most effective manner, pos- effective manner possibly to keep his income at the same of 100, well, you said 130 a year, so after taxes, $100,000 a year in income, and get as much money from the IRA to the Roth IRA. And then we would design a five-year plan in order to do that. And we'd come back and measure ourselves against that plan on, a, on an annual basis. And I would have made the argument that if I were you, let me just throw it that way. If I were you, I would have the you had 130 plus 45. I would have had the entire 175 in a Roth conversion, and I would have taken money out of my brokerage account for my living expenses and year. to pay the taxes. But yeah. I probably wouldn't have done 175. We don't know what that number yeah, is. Yeah, I would have figured out exactly what's going to make the most sense from a tax. So that's the that's the process that we think you should be thinking about. But obviously, you've done a lot of good planning. You've been great saver to have this much money in retirement accounts. It's just kind of fine tuning some things there. All right, now I appreciate it, guys. Uh, you've uh, I think that that's real helpful what you just told me. Do you have a good accountant? Uh, not, not really. Okay. Well, yeah, he, he, I don't really have an accountant. I have a. Uh, my brother-in-law is a tax accountant, a CPA, but he's not really my accountant. Okay, so and he's if, family you, close to you. if you don't want to hire a financial advisor, at a minimum, you want to hire a good uh, accountant to actually go through this process with yep, you. Yep, I agree. So some people don't want to hire advisors, which is, look, you know, that's I don't hire an advisor. Uh, <laughs> you are an advisor. Right, but it, a lot could be said for having a third party. You I run my financial stuff by you all the time, yeah, and you yeah, do yeah, as yeah, well, sure. right, For to, to bounce ideas off each other. But at a minimum, you need someone to go through this analysis for you, and a good CPA or uh, accountant could do that for you if you don't want to bring it to a financial advisor, although you might benefit from both of that. So, all righty? Appreciate it. Thank you very Appreciate much. All right, Charles. And it's interesting, okay. Pat. You know, I feel bad, though, because he's done. Sorry, Scott. I feel bad he's done so well. You feel bad he's done well? No, I feel bad that we kind of jumped on him, and he's done such a great job saving. Well, that's why <laughs> We were like, you idiot. You've only saved $5.5 million. What were you thinking? And we're talking... We're talking around the edges, which is what he called That's what about. I did. I did back up there, and we, we I think we complimented on. Obviously, he's done yeah. a lot of good planning, and been a good saver. You don't. Yeah, he's sixty years you old. Know, we didn't ask him what his income was, right? No, we did not. That was. I'm guessing he did okay. He yeah, but but, but I tell you, look, Scott, people five get point, five point five million dollars, age sixty, people, retired. People, he made some money. Okay, but. Just because you've got a high income does not mean you're going to be set up well for retirement. That's correct. So we've seen people come to us at retirement age or approaching retirement age that have had large incomes and with very little, say, particularly relative to their income, 
very, very little saved. And we've had people with quite modest income levels with quite substantial assets saved, particularly relative to their income. And I think the worst situation we saw, the two physicians, I think one was a specialist, it was a long time ago, they came to us, they had their income between the two of them was 700000 a year. They had uh, n- no equity in their house, no money in the bank. They had $100,000 between the two of them and their 401ks. And they came to us to figure out, is there a way they can get the money out of their 401ks to use for a uh, vac- uh, vacation? That was the truth. Without, w- pay- without the taxes. Quite frankly, Scott, those are... Those are the people you want to hang out with, not the people that save. Well, because they want to have a good time? <laughs> yeah, They're the ones buying the expensive champagne and stuff? <laughs> I'm going out with them. How do you spend 700 grand a year? Listen, we're not worried about that. Those guys that save for their retirement and live modestly that with big incomes, they're not nearly as much fun to hang out with as the people that just live large. All right, so I guess you have a point there. So be the saver and, <laughs> and hang out with those that live large. Right. Don't buy that's a, bad, that's philosophy. Don't buy your own boat. Get friends with a boat. I had a friend with a huge yacht when I was growing up. Family. His yacht or his, his family's family. Yacht. He was not, we were in high school. Okay. And we'd go to Catalina and stuff on his yacht. It was nice. Was they it? had a couple crew on it full time. It was nice. The boat on the back, we'd go out and we'd go water skiing off the little boat thing that was Where's on. Where's this kid today? I don't know. I messed up. I should have maintained that friendship. <laughs> it's authentic. That's authentic. It was a fun friend uh, in high school, though, I must tell you. But I did. I meant I, I drank too much and I got sick on the boat. Full disclosure, you know when you're in high school, you don't always do the smartest things. Mom and dad aren't around. <laughs> okay, why did you? I don't share know why that? I shared that. Why did you share I remember. that? It was We're one of the times to build trust with the audience. All right, we gotta take a quick break. <laughs> this is all worth money matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Do you have a financial question that needs answering? Call us at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Hey, welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen. Pat McLean. And if you want to be part of the program, our toll-free line 833-99-WORTH. Love to take your question regarding your financial matter. You're yeah, call us. With. Or sometimes just a second, question, second opinion. Someone's just trying to call us. We like talking to people. Hit you something. Yeah. It's fun. It's good. We like good talking time. to people. <laughs> I do like talking to people. <laughs> yeah. Eighth, well, that's pretty much your job, isn't it? Most yeah, of the time. Yeah, but I would do it for free. As opposed well, to the, know, as opposed the big pay you're getting right now for doing the radio program? No, but... I don't know if I would walk around giving financial advice for free all day. Well, of course you wouldn't. Yes, I would not. <clears throat> that would be good. Boring. But I would talk to people for free all day. Yeah. All right. So let's. Uh, we're going to Kansas City and talk with Rob. Rob, you're with Allworth Financial. Hi, Scott and Pat. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you, Rob. Um, so I did, first, I just wanted to, uh, you know, tell you guys that we, a lot of us here in Kansas City, have got a team of team of guys that uh, all listen to you and, and oh. we're very thankful of the 
of the free information that you, <laughs> that you guys deliver we're, to us. We're not, we're, so how did you find us? Because we're not uh, on terrestrial radio in Kansas City. So, you know, if I, if, I, if I remember back, I think I was, you know, I'm, I'm a, uh, I guess you'd call it a closet nerd when it comes to personal finance, but I'm IT guy by trade. Anyway, just going through, um, you know, the podcasting on Apple, um, whatever yep. it's called. How many, and, how uh, many financial podcasts do you listen to on a weekly basis? Well, so you guys and then Planet Money may be the only oh, other. I love Planet Money. Yeah. I do love Planet Money. All right. so, well, but, thank but you guys, I've been listening to you guys for, for probably two and a half years. And, um, you know, I just can't thank you guys enough for all the information. Well, thank you. And, uh, well, please give us a review on iTunes if you've yet to do so. But how can we help you? Oh, I certainly will. So, yeah, uh, I basically just have one question, and, and I can't remember uh, – I think you guys have talked about it before, uh, and it may have been probably over a year ago when you guys talked about it. But can you can you guys talk about um, the like a situation where somebody is employed, a W two employee that uh, that either accidentally or quote unquote accidentally contributes more than uh, the nineteen thousand per year maximum uh, to their four hundred one k. If I'm not mistaken, I think I was hearing you guys at some point talk about. Uh, you got to you know, pull it out. A lot of it's dependent. Yeah, dependent on the four hundred one k. So, is it th- does the employer do they end up giving you a check at the end of the year, or do you have to request well, it? Well, how does it, that piece work? Are we talking about one employer or multiple employers? Right. So, I, I know there's there's it's easy to to have it happen with two different, you know, in the same year because um, yes. they're you know not aware of each other's how That's much right. contributed. But but I've been with the same employer uh, to kind of give you just a really brief history. Last year. Um, I switched employers, and it took close to three or four months before the 401k started rolling. And so, as a result, I, you know, been trying to, continue, you know, contribute the maximum every year. Um, and so, I had to basically do, uh, you know, catch up the last four months of the year last year. And, and I never did go in and change my allocation um, or my contributions, rather, mm. uh, at the first of this year. And here I am in August, and, and I've reached, you know, I'm about a thousand dollars away. Uh, from reaching that contribution limit, and I was just curious. <sighs> Got how it. The- so yeah. here is so if you hit the contribution level, the maximum, then that's what. But but here's where you may have hurt yourself is on the, the match. If the company okay. has a match, does it have a match? It does. It has a three percent match. Okay. So what happens is that because you're going to go over that limit, uh-huh. right? That your match will no you you'll want to stop it unless you talk to HR and they allow you to exceed that limit and then refund you at the end of the year the difference uh, over that. Otherwise, what happens is if you stop it right now, right because you've got to the the limit the nineteen thousand dollar limit, you stop right. it right now, then uh, you no long you will n- no longer receive the match. Gotcha. If you okay. can make contributions on an how big is this employer? Uh, it's a rather large IT firm for the you know for the government. Okay, so it may allow you to make after-tax contributions okay. into this, yep. and then you could convert those into. Some allow you to take in every. Some allow you to take those and convert them to a Roth each year, if if the plan allows it. Either which okay. way you've got, and you can go way past nineteen thousand, which is beautiful. I mean, it is it's it's absolutely beautiful. So you're going to require the help of your HR department. So the best case scenario, okay. they say, 
oh, Rob, listen, we're going to allow you to put after tax dollars in, and then you're going to convert those over, and we're going to allow you to convert those over to a Roth IRA. Right. It team. Actually, it's the, technically you take the money, you you take the after tax dollars out of the plan, and then you put it into a Roth IRA. Yes. Okay. And now, does that does that have any? So, if I'm all, all also doing, uh, you know, maxing out the IRA, the Roth IRA. Uh, in addition, yeah, because this that- is a this is a basically it's a conversion, it's a rollover okay. to a Roth, but your cost basis is going to be equal to what your conversion is. So it's not it's not not, it's a, not a new con- it's not a new contribution either. Gotcha. So you're tracking. Okay. So so you got yourself in a bad situation, but you may have actually got yourself into a better situation. We don't know. <laughs> it depends yeah, on your employer. Every, and every four hundred one k plan is is different. Yeah, we we well, just and, we and, don't and, know. We don't know. I, so I did. I did happen to read some some very brief documentation on you know the the, the 401k manager, or whatever you want. I think it's uh, oh, I Fidelity, maybe the the one that's holding holding the actual accounts. But mm-hmm. um, and and of course on the brief documentation, it did say that a lot of it was up to the plan administrator, and yes. and that some choose to just dis- right. you know, distribute it back out in addition. So. No, that uh, that makes perfect yeah. sense, and that's, uh, that's exactly what I was looking for. Look, no, and so if this allows for it, then you'll want to do it after. If it allows for an after-tax and they match on the after-tax, if they mm-hmm. match the contribution on the after-tax and then it allows for it to be uh, rolled out of the plan into a Roth IRA, you'll want to continue this as long as you that's can. That's right. Okay. You may oh, have stumbled okay, onto something. We, we use it as a strategy, but – for a no. lot of people, it doesn't work because the plans don't allow for it. Okay. Someday. Okay, very well. Well, thank you guys right. so much. All right. Thank well, you, call, call back if you have any uh, secondary questions. And thanks for listening, and thanks for having friends that uh, you recommend this uh, podcast to. Yes. Oh, you, you bet. All right, guys. Take care. I appreciate it, Rob. That's a whole group. And I, I've mentioned on the show I share podcasts all the time. All the time. Well, can they make it easy? Just It makes it easy. And if, and it. It's personal, so I, I, if I listen to a podcast that I think interests some someone, I'll send it to them. Not blanketly. It's got to be relevant. Otherwise, it's junk mail. <laughs> Thank you, Pat, for <laughs> clarification on that. Right? Otherwise, you just become an annoying old person that sends <laughs> clippings from newspapers. <laughs> I, I have a friend of mine. He has a consulting firm, and he's... Uh, it's a pretty significant consulting firm he has. And I, I was on a flight with them, and I hear this noise. I look over, and he's got this stack of newspapers. Oh, no, he did. I swear to you. And he's he's tearing the articles out. And I look at him like he's from Mars. I'm like, what the? I said, please tell me this isn't how you do your research. He says, yes, it is. Right? And he's not like 84. I mean, he's been, he's like, he's 50 or something. He's like, you know, they invented something called the computer. So does he bring these magazines on the plane with him? Yes. And prior to the 9-11, he used to carry scissors, but not anymore. <laughs> He's ripping them now. Yes. Very successful consultant of oh, Well, that's nice. Like a big, like, like multiple employees and all that stuff. But that's how he does his research. All right. Anyway, uh, toll-free 833-99-WORTH is our number. 833-999-6784. We're talking with Carrie. Carrie, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hi. Hi, Carrie. Good. Hi. So uh, my question begins with um, letting you know that my mom had a stroke last November, and she has been in skilled nursing ever since. 
Um, I'm at a point where I want to sell her house. So a couple of questions. Is it better to sell the house while she is still alive or after she passes? And what are the tax benefits or ramifications of each of those scenarios? And then people keep mentioning to me something about if a person doesn't live in their home for like two years, the capital gains, um, it has an effect on the capital yeah. gains when we do go to sell. Uh, so if she if it's sold within two years of her moving out, it can be it'll qualify as her primary residence and she can exclude up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of gain from income taxes. Now, was did your father was was she married to your father for a number of years? I mean, it's the house that she owned with her husband. And when did he pass away? Um, they're actually divorced. And so she is the sole owner of the home. And what's the home worth ballpark? Uh, four hundred and sixty thousand. And how long has she lived in the house? Oh gosh, twenty-two years. Do you know what she paid for the house and what she's got into it and everything? She probably paid about two hundred and fifty okay. for she's it. Fine. So you're she's fine. Yeah. yeah. So okay. if you you can sell it today and exclude up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars of gain, if you wait more than two years, you're going to lose that planning opportunity that you'd heard about. But if she holds it to her death, and you, let's say, you're the one who inherits, or her, your kids inherit it, the 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 as far as the sta- uh, capital gain taxes go, the value is now going to be stepped up to whatever the value is on the date she passes away. So essentially, all that capital gain is forgiven. But it's forgiven anyway. It's forgiven anyway because she's going to exclude the first two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So the the step up, unless it's been over, to, if she. Oh, correct, yes. correct, correct. So now, it's either sell it now or or sell it when. Do you need the money? <laughs> no, we don't. Not need you, the but money. I mean to pay we're for gonna... her care, for her skilled nursing care. No, not not quite yet. Who's so we're trying to decide if we're going to sell it or put it on the rental market? Oh, so let's talk a little bit about that, right? Um, and we see this quite often. How many siblings do you have? I have two. Okay. And uh, is everyone local? No. Okay. And who's going to put it on the rental market and who's going to rent it out and who's going to take care of it and who's going to make these decisions regarding this? Right. That's that's a great question. That would be me. Okay. Which is... So you said this house is worth 400 and would you say 450? 460. Four, okay. So it's like 460. Okay. So and there's but, no way mom's going back to the house. Is yeah, that right? Is mom's out, right? Correct. She's okay. not going back. So I just forget your mother's there. Just forget she's there at all. What kind of person are you? Well, just this is a theoretical. <laughs> okay. We know that, that, that Carrie loves her, her mother. You go to your two siblings and you say, look, I got an idea. Let's go buy a rental home together. The three of us. Let's go buy one. And I want each one of you to put in $153,000, and I'll put in $153,000. And because you live somewhere else, and I want to buy this rental home down the road, which we know of so far is at least 25 years old, and I'm going to manage it for you, sister and brother, and don't you worry about it. I got it all, and we'll split the profits three ways. Would you do that, Carrie? Uh, I, I would not. Okay. Sell the house. Okay. Just get rid of it. And the reason you want to do this is at the end of the day, we see this often where someone will keep an asset that they either inherited or was gifted in a family. And then now try don't distribute to- the money. This is mom's money until 
for her care and support, right? Co- correct. But at some point in time, the, the, the idea would be you, someone's going to have to put this on the market. How old's the house? 22 years old. All right. I, if, if it were me, I'd sell the house. I'd put the money in a bank account. I'd allow uh, the best care that the money could buy till your mother's dying day. And then worry about it after that. Scott? Okay. Totally agree. I, I, I love that opinion, so I appreciate that. Thank yeah. you very much. All right. Yeah. So We wish you well, Carrie. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. And, and Pat, it's, I tell you, we've both seen uh, siblings. Oh. I mean, turn turn on each other. Yeah, and you dealt with your father ended up in a nursing facility. Yes, yes right? Yeah. And you're you get along great with your siblings, but even there it was some bumpy stuff. Oh, there was absolute some bumps. And then when you and it might not it's not always the siblings, sometimes it's the sibling Sibling. spouses. Yes. (laughs) I mean maybe it's just my family that uh (laughs) sometimes it's your own spouse and what they bring to the table. Right? Remember, your your own oh, spouse. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Your own, my own spouse, my wife, my wife, Kathy, didn't have a, a great relationship with my father and doesn't have a great re- relationship with all of my siblings. So there, it creates, um, so that. That's uh, right. Unless you, unless you would go into business with these people, your siblings, you just view everything as an asset, bring it to cash yeah. and. If you sit back and think over the, the length of time that you've been married, you've never had any argument whatsoever about family coming to visit. Never. <laughs> if that's never been an issue, like who we spending Thanksgiving with or Christmas, if that's never been an issue, then go into business with them. Go for it. <laughs> I mean, if your wife gets super excited when you say, hey, my dad's coming to stay the week with us. You're like, wow. Damn, your dad your, all week your brother <laughs> my wife's like your brother and their kids are coming wow why can't they stay long it's so fun why? i can't wait to pick up after your father <laughs> why can't he stay longer anyway so it is really it's important to when when there is either money yeah, inherited my- or gifted or in this particular situation needs to take care of mom uh, is to to recognize what an asset is, and oftentimes we will take the the extreme argument, and that's sometimes it's a good way to look at a, fin- a financial decision. Would you do this today? Which is, I think, is what you asked her, right? So you brought her to the other extreme. Yeah, would I go into business? Would I do this today? And I think it's a fair thing to look at any type of investment you own. So that's the first thing to look at. The second thing is, are there tax consequences if I were to unwind it? And then, does it make sense for me to unwind this? It's, right? and it's but it, any kind of investment you should look at it like in that. statistics uh at least in my college statistics they would call that testing for the null hypothesis you're looking for a no not for a yes yes right and what you're trying to do is to get confirmation bias out of that that's correct all right to be part of our program 833-99-WORTH is our contact number I will send you that. Uh, I listened to a great podcast last week about confirmation bias. I, did I send it to you? I will send it to you if I haven't. Was sent that it to Hidden you. Brain too? Or is that it might have been. I don't I remember. Subscribe? I'll look at. Did I'll I look download at one of those? Anyway, I do like. I do listen to quite a few podcasts myself. All right, let's including uh, your own. I don't listen to my own. But you could admit. if you're listening to. I don't listen to any financial podcasts. I don't ever watch CNBC. No, I listen to Money Planet. 
I listen to actually. I take. I listen to even Planet Money. Planet Money. <laughs> I do listen to um, what's the one on PBS that they've got in the afternoons. Uh, um, they we're both blanking out. Yeah, I know it. Um, I listen to them sometimes. Yeah, it's just I like news. it. <clears throat> All right. All right. But if you want to subscribe it? to our yeah. podcast, go to your podcast. Oh, delivery and, device. By the way, if you're a podcast listener, we're doing a podcast bonus on today's uh, podcast. So for, we'll spend a few more minutes on. We basically we've got a question on someone trying to figure out will or trust for a parent's home. What is the will going to make it more complicated after her death to get, or is the trust going to make it? And this is only available to those people that listen to our podcast, which obviously is just blatantly we're trying to get more listeners to our (laughs) podcast. You could yeah. get more blatant about it. So, yeah. For the rest you, of you who don't listen to podcasts that are listening to us on terrestrial radio. You're missing out. <laughs> this is something awful. This will be, out of our 24 years of broadcast, some of the best three, four minutes of broadcast we've ever put together. Okay. And you, you missed it because you didn't take the time to go to the podcast provider and type in Allworth Financial and download the thing. You wasted that three minutes. Okay. All right, let's uh, go to Roseville, California. We're talking with Dave. Dave, you're with Allworth Financial. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Great show. Thank you, Dave. Hey, I got a quick question for you. I have a wife, and she is a Canadian citizen. <laughs> sounds like property. I have a wife. It is. It's a, I mean, yeah, I have I a wife. Was 15 cows <laughs> I <to>. swapped. Okay. <laughs> All right, you have a wife, Canadian. I have a wife. Canadian. She's resident alien in the United States. She worked for several years in Canada, and she had up there a what they call an RRSP, a yep. registered retirement savings plan. Yep. She's got about forty grand in that thing, and I'm we're trying to figure out what to do with it. And it's been sitting up there since she's been in the United States. She's been here for about twenty plus years, or 20, around twenty years. And you know, at uh, you know, incurring the lovely two point five percent interest. So, what's our options for that? So I this I am going back. <laughs> you're you're taxing me now because I I I did a couple of these, but it's got to be fifteen from, plus years ago from a Canadian pension plan. Yeah, yeah. We left it there, if I recall. We left it I there. Have never dealt with this, and we, I'm surprised because it's like the 51st state. You think there'd be more people that are running? <laughs> exactly. We we left it there until they retired. That's what we did. And we just built that into the portfolio because it becomes a taxable event when the distribution takes place. And we built right. it in the portfolio as a percentage of the portfolio and treated it as the – and this is the government pension, correct? Um, I believe so, yeah. And yeah. what happens, you work for a private corporation and um, they they put this you know savings plan – I mean, I guess the most similar thing we have is – a. What probably a four fifty seven or yep, four hundred one or something. Thrift like savings plan. Yeah, but it's the same thing. Let's say right. you, let's say you left moved to Canada and you had a four hundred one k here. You certainly you need to have some proper planning rather than just yanking out it all one year. Uh, co- correct. So what? Absolutely. Yeah. So how we treated this in the past is that we left the dollars where they were at, and we built that into the fixed portion of the portfolio or as a bond segment of the but portfolio. But sometimes you got to get it out of there. But you would take it out the first time that you actually need the money is the one you would drain first. So because okay. it's a taxable yeah, event, because it's How a tax. How old are you? Uh, I'm 58, she's 55. And when do you plan on taking the money? 
what time is it now? Okay. No, when are you retiring? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, well, I don't know. I've got, we've both got several years of work. Here's the challenge. Do. So Our question, if this was, wait, wait, wait this, let, let him ask the question. What's the question, Dave? Uh, the, the question really is, do we get a double whammy on that? Because do you take it out and they, t- is it a taxable no. event in Canada no. and yes. in the United States or just in you'll, the United States? You'll pay the higher of the two. It'll be, th- that is correct, Pat. But um, the, the, here's what I'd want. I'd want to look at is we're going to pay income tax. We're going to pay income tax on it, no matter which way we slice. I understand that. That's correct. The question is, is because it was deferred income in Canada, she really didn't earn it in the United States. Does that make? That's you know, correct. That's correct. There? That's correct. That's correct. That's correct. So she didn't earn it in the United States. Here's the, let me wait, finish wait, what I was going to say. Once again, okay. he didn't earn it in the United States. But when you pull the dollars out, there will be a tax rate that will apply to it. And it'll it, be a Canadian tax rate. It's not going to be because it'll be cash. Then you take bring back cash back here. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know. So what yeah, I was so going to say, here's the challenge. If you had, if it were 400,000, you'd say, right, I'm going to deal with, I'm going to contact one of the big accounting firms that has, that also have offices in there. There are people who specialize in this, right? Uh, that's what I figured too. They yeah. are, but they're not $200 an hour people, my guess. <laughs> you're gonna, right. You're yeah. going to, you're going to, yeah, right. It's going to get pretty unique specialty for this. So you're going to have to find that specialist. That's why for 400,000 it'd be easy because you can totally justify paying even if it was a, a grand or two to figure out the tax yeah, on this. Yeah, a couple grand, right. right yeah, exactly. but if it's 40 grand, I it's either now or later that you're going to have to deal with this. So you, you're going to have yeah, to question, deal with you're going to have to deal with somebody who's special who understands Canadian tax law and people that are resident aliens here in in, in United States. So wouldn't wouldn't we just be able to contact the bank that it's located at currently and say, hey, what do we do with this? And the other question really is, there's no mechanism that I'm aware of. Maybe you are to roll it over to here. No, that's correct. That's correct. We know that. Right. Yeah. We know that. Yeah. So, but, but I would require. But, it'll but, require. But, yes. Scott, but it might. It might. It might make sense to take it out slowly because there might be. If it's if it withdrawals under a certain amount, there's no taxes due, even for resident aliens. Those are the kind of questions you need to find out. So it might make sense to Got take it. this, spread it out over a couple of years. But what's the hurry? There is no hurry, not, not none whatsoever. I mean, that's my point. We, we, you know, we 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 just got married a couple, you know, two and a half years ago, and so you know we're just going through all yeah. of our paperwork. Well, you're gonna want to clean it up going on. eventually, Pat. I, yeah, but I would exactly. I would look at it as a tax deferred account that earns two and a half percent. I'd build that into my portfolio. And when I started taking income from across my portfolios, I would address it then and there. Got it. That's how All I right. would manage it. How would you, okay. you would get on it today? I would do the same thing. Right? I started thinking about it. <laughs> What's the hurry? The same thing. I would do the same thing. You're not need, you don't need the income from it now. It's growing tax. And I'd, for, I'd view that as some of the, my first dollars to spend. Uh, just to clean it up. I'd view them as first dollars okay, to spend. Well, and it, it can enable you to be a little more aggressive in the rest of your portfolio. Well, and again, part part of that is, you know, we rent a house now. Okay. Oh, and you so like to use the money for then potentially. I, then I would does that find yes. Yeah, that, yeah, that yes, changes that's things a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I would find an accountant who understands this. Yeah. You, you, what you don't want to do is pay for someone's education here. Yeah. So I bet if you call <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. There, there. If right. you go, you go to the state of Michigan, Detroit, and look for 
just Google in there a, a borderline city where their the got a point. flow is constant, and just Google uh, U.S. citizen uh, RRSP withdraws a tax specialist. Mm-hmm. You'll find someone. Yeah, I think okay, you're cool. Right. All right, appreciate the All right, call. All right, good luck, Dave. And, and we are, unfortunately, we're out of time. For our podcast listeners, though, stick around because we're going to do a little uh, special podcast continuation and dealing with the question that came in. And you, too, can have that if you want to subscribe to our podcast. Uh, of course, you can get it at iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. Or you can go to our website, allworthfinancial.com, and from there, you just follow the uh, clicks. I don't know what you follow. You follow some. I think we make it fairly easy to figure it out where you can get our podcast. So anyway, we're here. This, If you would like to continue listening to Terrestrial, would love that as well. We're here every week at the same time, and we'll see you next week. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. This has been All Worth's Money Matters. All right, and for our podcast guests, first of all, thank you for uh, being podcast listeners. And, and, and for Forward and On, it was interesting in the middle of our program today, we had the caller who um, from Kansas City who... Found us and shared it with a lot of his friends. And thank you for doing uh, the reviews. Uh, obviously, uh, we have a selfish interest in pushing the reviews. The more positive reviews we get, uh, the higher our ranking uh, on the podcast, you know, best World. hits charts. And then uh, the more listeners. And obviously, for selfish reasons, we want more listeners. <laughs> so Elaine had sent us a question. It was about, she was listening to Susie Orman. Um, who I think actually does a pretty good job. She does. She does an okay job. It's a little too fluffy for me, but all in all, all in all, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. a little fluffy. It's a little fluffy for me, but all in all, yeah. She, she gets to the root of it. Save money, spend less. <laughs> okay, yes, <laughs> correct. But the question this person had is: she was listening to this and she's never heard it, never heard about it before, and she was quite shocked. And it was basically the difference in cost and length of time. To settle transfer on a title of a house, real property, in California, which is going to apply to other states as well, if one has a will versus having a trust. Now, some states, because probate is dealt on a state-by-state basis, some states have a very simple probate process. Some you don't need a living trust for. Some states, there's no need. So simple. Texas, my understanding? Easy. Yeah. We're not attorneys. We're not protecting to practice law. California can be a little more onerous, like everything is in California. There are, you can just have the home listed and have it in your will saying, I want it to go to my kids or whoever you want it to go to. If you do that, there's a probate that's involved. Basically, a, a, a court needs to stamp this and say, yes, this will is the last will of this individual. This is valid. Yes, transfer the assets per this will. Then you simply go to the county recorder's office. We're going to transfer title. Here's the here's the will. The here's court the death certificate. The court, here's uh, the court document. I dealt with this uh, ten years ago. My mother-in-law passed away unexpectedly at a relatively young age. She had a will. She did not have a trust. Um, it was easy. My wife was the executor, executor, which means I was the de facto executor because I'm the financial guy. It, frankly, it was quite simple. There are what are called statutory fees, and this is what attorneys talk about. I forget whatever percentage is. There's statutory fees, which is essentially the maximum an attorney can charge. That they're legally allowed to charge. It doesn't mean that they have to charge that. They can charge a lot less if they wished. Much, much less. They can just charge their basic hourly rate. What I found, it was actually quite simple process 
without the trust. And it didn't cost you a lot. No. Yeah. Now, and it, I don't know if it would, frankly, her estate might have been even easier without the trust. So there's another point that we want to make here, which is in the state of California and in many other states, much like you can put on a bank account a or a brokerage account, transfer on death, a TOD or a POD, pay on death. Yeah, transfer TOD. So you've got you know, Martha Williams, who's the owner of the house. TOD. TOD to Martha's three kids, Billy, Susie, and Ted. Yes. Whatever. And so that's even... And if it was the grandkids, it'd be Trevor... <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> trying to think of another one, but anyway. Okay, and we'll just think about like all the millennial kids yeah. that work here. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's not that big of a deal. It, what What's more important is deciding what assets go to who and why, especially if you have charitable intents. And trust can be very valuable at times to expedite the process, have some additional controls. Yes. And if, but if you're going through the hassle of setting up a will, just you might as well do a trust. At the yes. Same so a um, couple ways you can attack. Answer it. to what's her name here? I can see it. Elaine. Elaine. Yes. Is uh, it's really it's not that big of a deal, but uh, do a TOD transfer on death or sit down with a qualified estate planning attorney and put together a trust and do an overall estate plan distribution design. Yes. So if you'd like to submit a question to us, these are ones that we just do for our podcast. Questions at moneymatters.com is the website there. Questions, Questions at moneymatters.com. And we um, I think about once a month we do these extended yeah. podcast things. We could do more if we wanted. It's our podcast. I guess it is our podcast. There's no time limits. No break for commercials. I don't like really long podcasts, by the way. Like the two-hour ones. Like Joe Rogan, I guess he's the number one podcast. I don't listen very often to one is they're so long. Every once in a while, there's an interesting guest that I listen to, but I don't think I've ever gotten through it. In t- they're two hours. I can't give two hours. But a lot of people do. It's the number one podcast, apparently. All right. I don't so, know. Thanks for listening. All right. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.